0: Hello, friends. Welcome to my new podcast called A New Leaf. You know, my mother used to say, treat everybody like they belong to your heart. The idea of my podcast came about basically because of how my life has gone. And when I say a new leaf, I mean turning over a new leaf, starting over new beginnings. New adventures, healing from pains, from trauma. So, I want to give you an idea of things that I've been through and how I'm getting to a point that I feel like I've turned over a new leaf. I think we're always striving to turn over a new leaf. I think it's something that we should be doing on a daily basis. Growing, self growth, self-worth, self-love, those are all important, whether we're a single person, whether we're in a partnership with somebody, relationships with our children, with a spouse, romantic partners, with friends. I think it's important that we all grow, both, both as individuals, but also as a couple if you're in a relationship. And couples don't grow unless you're both growing individually. You need that time to explore oneself, to grow, to, to find out what you like in life, what you don't like in life, what your dreams are, what you're striving for, what your goals are individually. And then from there you can take it as a couple and take those dreams, dream together and then live them out. But for me, well, I'm on a journey now where I'm repairing myself. I'm repairing my life. I've had many things happen to me in my life. Right now, I'm at a point where I've had legal problems. And I'm doing my best to overcome them. I've made many mistakes in my life. I've also been accused of things that I haven't done. But because of my past behaviors, I'm automatically judged, automatically thought of as someone that would do wrong. And in many cases, rightfully so. But that does make it harder to turn over a new leaf. I'd, I'd like to believe that people in this world are capable of giving second chances, are willing to accept that people change, that want to grow, that want to be better. But also, for those people that aren't believing in you, that aren't giving you that chance, that have given up on you, if they actually took the time to learn your story, here's the thing. Nobody truly knows your story but you. And it's your story. There are lots of people out there, and believe me, I've had it. I've had it both personally, I've had it on Facebook. Social media is a disaster. People will try and tell your story without knowing the facts. They'll go on hearsay, what they believe they've seen, what they've experienced. But they don't know your story. You know your story. And you choose who you want to tell that story to when you're ready, if you're ready. Again, the problem that we have in life now is that we believe that we know somebody else better than they know themselves. We judge others rather than take a look at ourselves in the mirror and try to grow and try to fix our current situations. We would rather dwell on somebody else's and focus on somebody else. Cause them pain, maybe harm some trauma so you can avoid your own. Listen, I'm not perfect. I've made so many mistakes in life. Um, I believe in some cases I deserve to be where I'm at. That said, unless you've inflicted physical harm on somebody, unless you've done something drastic, and even then I do believe people deserve at at least some sort of forgiveness. I think we need to have... Bigger hearts. We have to have loving hearts. For me, listen, truthfully, I've just not a very, been a very honest person. I've never liked who I was. I've looked in the mirror since I was a child and not liked me. I didn't like my name. I want I I when I was a toddler, I always wanted to be called Jim because I hated my name so much. My middle name I loathed. And I, I and it was really only for one reason. Because my little brother and my older brother both had middle names. And they were both named after family members. I'm the only one that was never named after, after anybody. I felt like I didn't belong. And it hurt growing up. I, I wondered why I wasn't named after anybody in my family. My little brother's middle name was named after my mother's uncle. She loved him dearly. And I knew him and my great aunt for some time. Well, sorry, until I think I was about, geez, I want to say 10 or 11 before they both passed. My older brother, his middle name is named after my father. So I always kind of thought of myself as a bit of an outsider. My parents were very, uh, very strict people um, in a sense, uh, when it came to discipline. Don't get me wrong, my parents loved us. We didn't want for anything. We were not a rich family, but my parents did everything they could to provide for us. They, my dad worked extremely hard and so did my mother when she worked. When we were younger, mom didn't work all the time. When we were more full-time in school is when mom started working full-time and she had a good career but they both worked very hard and at Christmas time we were spoiled rotten. We always had great food on the table. Dad would surprise us. I remember, I remember one day my little brother and I, my dad used to work for a company called like Seco safety shoes. And he, he would have this mobile truck and his job was he would drive around to places like General Motors, factories, shops, things like that, and sell safety shoes. Oftentimes dad would park the truck, in front of our house we lived in a cul-de-sac and i remember one day he just he surprised my little brother and i we were outside playing and he called us over to his truck and he told us to open up the back of the truck and when we opened it up there were two brand new bmx bikes there it was just i can't even tell you we weren't expecting it it was just one of those things where uh we we were just overjoyed we were we were in awe and, uh, of course we were excited and, you know, to see my dad's face and to see how happy he was because of the excitement that we had on our face, he was so proud. And I remember thinking, wow, my dad loves me. I remember thinking my dad will do anything to make us happy. And again, we weren't spoiled, but he always made sure that we had, you know, what others had for the most part that we, you know, that we didn't want for anything. Like I said, um, you know, we never, the only time we traveled outside of Canada was, you know, to the States when I had track meets, I used to run. And um, that was really the only time we traveled outside of Canada. We never did famous, you know, vacations as far as Florida and things like that. But we would go to a friend's cottage every summer. Mom and dad used to love taking us to the Jays games when it was at extra Business Stadium. stadium. So, You know, but at the same time, you know, you didn't talk back to mom. There was the wooden spoon. There was the belt. There were backhands, you know. Um, Dad was very passive. Uh, My dad used to be an ex-professional wrestler. He used to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs Farm Club at the time um, when he was younger. Uh, He raced stock cars. He was on the provincial and I believe Canadian uh, fastball team as a pitcher. My dad was a very good athlete. He was a very good bowler, very good golfer, many golf trophies. Um, and he was very quiet though. But the one thing you didn't do was you didn't disrespect my mother. Uh, my dad was very old fashioned that way. He opened the door for every lady that was in his vicinity. If he was going into a store and he saw a woman approaching, he opened the door. He called everybody honey or sweetheart and not in a derogatory uh you know, sexist way. It was just who he was. He was just a very calm, pleasant person. And for him, that was a term of endearment or or respect. Um, Never tried, wasn't trying to hit on anybody or make anybody feel uncomfortable. He adored my mom until her last breath. Um, But, you know, for me, life wasn't always easy. And just like anybody else, and I'm not making excuses. Um, Right now, I have not seen my, I I have a son, he's 18. And I have two girls who are 16 and 14 and I haven't seen them or talked to them in three years, not by choice. My ex-wife and her family have excluded me from their lives, have told them that I don't love them, that I don't want to be with them. Um, I've made mistakes, Um, nothing with regards to my children. I've never treated them poorly. I've loved them since the day they were born. Um, I have pictures all over my phone, and I look at them every day. I've written them letters and sent them to them. Um, Recently, I had these blankets made up for each of them, and it was a collage of pictures, and some pictures with them and I on it, and some of them as they grew up. And in one of the photos, I wrote a poem for each of them. And I had that put on one of the pictures. And I sent those to them with handwritten letters. I've heard nothing back. I'll get to my marriage and everything else later on and what happened with my children. Um, I can tell you that I'm heartbroken. I don't know if there's anybody out there that has done that. But here's the thing. I've read online and I've read many articles and even books about how there's so many fathers out there that don't want to be a part of their children's lives. I'm the opposite. I do. And I always have, like I said, I'll get to my marriage a little bit later on, but what I can tell you is essentially what happened was I left her for a reason. But my end goal wasn't to divorce her. My end goal was to repair our marriage. But I felt like we needed that time. But as things move forward, her parents manipulated me. Don't fight for custody. Don't fight for 50-50 custody. Just, you know, um, just give her what she needs right now because you want to fix a marriage. Because now they're a Christian family. We, were, we, were, we all went to church together. God wants to heal this marriage. So I listened to them as elders. My parents have passed some time ago, so I believe that they wanted our marriage to succeed. And as I get into more details in other podcasts, what I can tell you is that they actually manipulated me because while they were telling me, don't fight for custody, don't do this, don't do that, my mother-in-law was behind the scenes telling my ex-wife to get a separation agreement, to divorce me, so on and so forth. Um, I can tell you I took nothing. When I left, I took the clothes on my back and that's it. Because I didn't want to disrupt my li- the children's lives or her life. And my end goal was to go back. I was gone 24 hours and she drained our bank account. She had changed the lock on our doors. Her father did that. All the while, he's counseling me and trying to help me repair my marriage. Manipulating me. All of my mother and father's stuff. As I said, they had passed some time ago. Everything that I had owned she got rid of, she sold, she, she threw out, I have to this day, I have nothing from my mother and father. I gave her. So when I was much younger, you know, when you have a paper route when you're a kid and you get that first, that first check and you're like, wow. So I had a paper route. And the first thing I ever bought with my paper route money was a Christmas present from my mother. And I don't know if you remember the Sears catalogs, and I bought this pendant, and it was a gold pendant that said, number one mom. And I bought that for her. And I gave that to my mother, and I was so proud. But when my mom passed, I had asked the, um, the funeral director to just leave it unclasped in the coffin. Because I wanted to take it um, just before we shut the casket. So I did. And then on my ex-wife's first Mother's Day, I gave it to her. Well, truthfully, I have an illness now where I'm essentially dying. i I need a double lung transplant. Um, so I asked for it back i She's not wearing it. she didn't want it. Um, it's not part of her life anymore. so I, I just said I would like it because i would I would like to be buried with it. I also gave my middle child, my first daughter, um, a cross that uh, my dad's cross. And they weren't talking with me, and I wasn't trying to be vindictive. I just, I just felt like my mom and dad were my family now, and I, my children have abandoned me. Um, so I asked for that back, because I felt like I wanted to be buried with them both when I do go. And it turned out that my ex-wife had sold them both. Anything to be vindictive. Again, I, I'm not a perfect person. But all of my personal belongings, she sold. Merrill, Merrill items. Within the first two weeks I was gone, she sold our dining room table. Uh, just unbelievable. Um, I never fought her anything. I never took it to court. I, I, I didn't want to cause drama or legal issues. And again, I'll get into more details on another podcast. But back to my life. When I was growing up, you go through, you know, as a child, you go through bullies and things like that, like we all do. Um, I wasn't somebody that I'm not a very, even to this day, I mean, I put on weight, but I'm not a very tall person. I'm not a very big person. Uh, I wouldn't even consider myself to be a very strong person. I'm not a tough guy. So when I was growing up, um, I was abused. And um, it happened every Friday night. And it was heartbreaking. My mom mom and dad would go bowling every Friday night. And my older brother would, would babysit myself and my little brother. And my little brother would often stay in my bed with me instead of going to his room. And once he fell asleep, uh, my older brother would wake me up and he would make me go down and, and, and cook for him and his friends and serve them. And then things progressed from there. He would invite friends over, girlfriends, guy friends. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I can tell you that for six years, it was not very easy for me. Uh, I was forced to do things. I was forced to receive things. And um, it, was, it, was, it was really hard because he was my idol. And unfortunately, that wasn't the last time, you know, after six years, I finally stood up with him, I I stood up to him, and uh, he, he stopped talking with me. Now, I never told my parents, I never told anybody except my track coach, who was one of my best friends at the time. And I told him I didn't want anybody to know. But because I was going through that, I was so... I was withdrawn, I was secluded, I was an introvert. I didn't trust anybody. Um, when I went to school, I made friends, but I didn't have a best friend. Uh, I played a lot of sports, I was good at sports. I was a really good runner. Um, I was known as the runner, um, even to this day when people you know see me from high school, that's or from elementary school, that's what they call me. Um, they didn't know me for who I was. And that's because I didn't let people in because I didn't trust anybody. I was in so much pain. I had so much trauma, but I tried to hide it. Um, but when I was much older, I was 21. I took a chance and, and, and my brother asked me to repair a relationship. I moved to Ottawa, stayed with him for a bit, and it got worse. Um, he was into drugs and smoking and drinking and not really paying bills, and I was paying the bills, and I just said this isn't for me. And my last night, I was gonna—I knew I was gonna go home, and he didn't know I was leaving. Um, but the week before, he busted into my room with an, a, a male friend of his, and they were buck naked, and they tried to get me, and I kicked them both, you know, in the sack. And the next day is when I went home, and that's when I told my parents what was happening for six years and um i can tell you that my mom believed me right away my dad didn't uh, but my dad slowly came around when legal things were popping up because it turned out my older brother was forging my dad's signature on things and he was getting calls from lawyers and everything else and hello friends sorry about that we, uh, I lost you there. I should have signed you off. This is new to me as well. So um, I wanted to just touch on my my situation with my brother briefly again. Um, my dad came around. Uh, he eventually believed me uh, because simply because my brother had, had committed some fraudulent activity, regarded my father. Um, when mom passed away, she was asking for him. Uh, in the hospital, and he wouldn't come and see her. He didn't attend either of my parents' funerals. My dad did not want him to know when he was passing. Sadly, dad passed on his own in his bed and asleep. He was given two years from the date, or sorry, he was given a year. And from the date that he was given a year, he was gone within two weeks. So uh, that was very hard. Um, so yes, that was the last time i had seen my brother. It's been, like I said, 20 20, uh, 26 years, roughly. Um, I will tell you that, um, I was also beat up on my grade five teacher. Uh, and I say that quite literally, we were in a portable in grade five. Uh, he was the teacher everybody wanted. He was the outdoor guy. He was one that took you on the class trips. Um, we would have cross country skis outside of our portable and we could go out and ski to get a break if we wanted to. And, um, he was just fun and he loved me and I loved him. We got along well, I did well, um, but it was primary play day. And I asked him if I could go to the bathroom and he said, yes, obviously the bathroom was in the uh, the main building at the time. So I went to the bathroom and I was coming back and my girlfriend at the time was helping out for primary play day. And I talked to her for maybe 30 seconds And then from there uh, I I went and I sat back inside the portable at my desk and I sat in the front row and uh, I had had my hands kind of flat on my desk and, and my teacher came up and he had said, where were you? And I said, I was in the bathroom. And he said, no, you, I he said, you don't ask. And I said, of course I asked you. said, yes. And he said, no, I didn't. And then one of the students said that he had and. Uh, he yelled at that student, and as my hands are flat on the desk, he kind of slammed his fist down, and uh, he hit my uh, my middle finger. The knuckle of my middle finger, or my right hand, and he broke it. So I got up and I started walking towards the door. Now I was a child. I was grade five. I was a kid, um, and I just said, "I'm going to sue you." And as soon as he, I said that, he grabbed me from the collar of my shirt, the back of my shirt, and he threw me against the chalkboard. And he started whipping whipping my head off the chalkboard, and it split open the rail of the chalkboard was bruising my back and I fell to the ground and I was literally uh crawling to the portable door and the school bully actually sat beside me in class his His name was stephen, and uh, i won't I won't give any last names, but he literally picked me up and he carried me to uh the port uh, to the main office. And I remember the secretary saying, what happened here? And Stephen said, Mr. So-and-so had just beat him up. And then it was just chaos from there. So those are some of the traumatic things that I experienced when I was a child. Um, now, here's what I can tell you. I think when I grew up, um, I kind of had a problem with authority, not in a sense that I was lippy, not in a sense that I was cocky, not in a sense that uh, I mouthed off to people. Um, I just didn't trust them. Um, I wanted to be my own boss. Uh, I, I didn't believe people when they were genuine. Um, you know, it was pretty hard. When those that are really close to you, I mean, your grade five teacher, you're supposed to believe in and they protect you. My older brother was my hero, so on and so forth. Um, I'm sure you know what it's like when you're living your your life and you you just don't genuinely trust people um, because you don't know if they're going to do you harm or not. Now... During this time, I was in the middle of my abuse with my brother. I get beat up by my grade five teacher. Um, my older brother was significantly older than me. I should put that out there. Um, and um, it was my brother and his friends, by the way. And um, so as I'm growing up, when I'm in school, uh, anytime a teacher would raise a voice, I was I felt very uneasy, sick to my stomach. Um, but I tried to hide it. And again, I didn't, I didn't get in trouble with teachers. I didn't lip off. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't a a bad student. I wasn't like that. I was just, I had this anxiety inside of me and uh, this fear, and I didn't let myself get close to people. Um, As I grew up, it just, it kind of stuck with me. Um, My little brother and I, when we were younger, we were close. When we were teenagers, we weren't. When we got older, we were again. Um, truthfully, he wasn't a very good uncle to my kids. Um, he would promise him things and he wouldn't follow through when I was married. Um, my My son, I think, felt the worst of it. He promised things to my son. He was gonna pick him up. He was gonna come to his birthday party. He was gonna do things. I mean, he would never follow through. One instance, um, I don't remember what birthday it was for my son, but my brother was supposed to come to the party and he didn't show up. And then he promised my son that he, you know he was going to bring him a gift. He said, "Oh, you know, we'll go, out, we'll go shopping, we'll get anything you want." And uh, I mean, three times he canceled on him, and he didn't even cancel. I had to call him, and he said, "Oh, I forgot" or something come up. And my son was just so disappointed. To the point that I went out and I bought a gift, and I said it was from your uncle. Um, but he didn't. He didn't come to birthday parties. He didn't spend time with my children. Um, the only time he saw my children was when uh, when I would go there. There was a period when I was living with him be- after my divorce and stuff. And even then, he didn't spend time with them. Um, he would spend all of his time in front of his Xbox. Uh, With his headphones on, and he would get mad at me saying that they don't talk to him or, you know, that they don't have any use for him. And I'd say, But you sit there the whole time with your headphones on talking to people on Xbox. You don't ask to do anything with them. You don't offer to do things with them or spend time with them. Um, They don't feel you have any interest in them. And he would always turn it around on them. Um, And that was very hard because I wanted him. He was my only family. My parents had been gone. My mom's been gone now for 21 years. Dad's been gone for 17. He was my only family and I, I, I wanted him to be close with them, but he didn't put in that effort. Don't get me wrong. There were times when he used, you know, like he would buy meals when he were there for them sometimes and he let them stay at the house. But I mean, even even at that, like, he didn't spend time with them though. Like they were in the house and they were in separate rooms. there with me or doing their own thing. And he never went anywhere with them. He didn't do anything with them. Um And he never even spent time with us. When I was doing things with him, he never wanted to come and do things with us. Um, so that, you know, that was very hard. So, uh, you know, but he played on my sports teams. Now, again, I was very involved in the church. I ran I ran the Christian Baseball League. My brother played on my team. He wasn't a Christian, my little brother, but he played on our team. And um, I got him into the Basketball League and I got him into the Ball Hockey League. So he played on all my teams. And he befriended some of my friends and um i would say there was two at least two people that he's very close to that he met because of me but unfortunately there were times when we were all together and he would mock me in front of them and he would say things about me in front of them and make fun of me in front of them and it was very hard for me now at the time i led a bit of a bit more of a moral life um i don't judge people um but you know one of them you know had cheated on his wife on you know, on his um, bachelor party. And my brother went. I didn't go. Uh, but his wife was the sister of one of my good friends who was in my wedding party. Um, another guy, you know, he lived with me and my wife for a while. I gave him a place to stay for because he needed a place to stay. And um, I helped him try and get jobs. And But those two became closer to my brother than they did me because I, there were certain things that they were doing that I wasn't wanting to be involved in. Um, But also because my brother was very much of a showman. He would pay for everything all the time. He would kind of, if they went out, you know, he just, he, my brother was about having a good time all the time because he was a bachelor. He's still a bachelor. He's got no kids. He's never been married. Um, And it was hard for me though, because, you know he was in university down in the States and I sent, I would send him money and I drove him back down one time to school. Um, and don't get me wrong. He helped me out after my divorce. Financially, he gave me a place to stay. Um, but I I often think that he forgot about the things that I had also done for him. Listen, my brother's helped. So my brother was... Like I said, he was a good man. He's a good man. Um, I just felt like he wasn't there for me when I needed it all the time. Um, as I've said, he he helped me financially. He helped me through my divorce. Uh, he gave me a place to stay reluctantly. Um, but he only liked me around when it was good for him, really. Um, he didn't spend time with me just to hang out. He didn't want to be a part of my life. He didn't want to be a part of my kid's life. Um, he lied a lot. I lied a lot, but he also lied a lot. But he would always make me feel like I'm the only one that did. Listen, he had me manipulate documents for his work so we could get more money. He would manipulate text messages um, so his girlfriend didn't think he was cheating on her to make it look like he was actually having a conversation with me. Uh, and so on and so forth. He you know, he created a picture Uh, or he had this picture of somebody, him and an ex-girlfriend. And uh, it turned out this girl that he was dating worked with my ex-wife at a spa and showed my my wife the picture of this guy she was dating. And so that's my brother-in-law. And she would say, well, that's, you know, she said, that's odd that he would show you that picture of so-and-so. And she's like, Oh no, that's his cousin. He said that she died a year ago and it was actually his ex-girlfriend. And there's other things. Um, He's told people I'm dead. Um, He's been very dishonest as well. Um, And people know it. His friends know it. Uh, They've told me. I've talked to them. Um, You know, some of them I played some sports with and they like my brother, but they also know that he isn't always very honest Um, but for whatever reason, he holds everything against me. Um, and when I call him out, he gets very angry and just all he does is emphasize all the bad things that I've done. He doesn't have to emphasize. I know all the things that I've done. I've taken from him. Um, I've lied to people. I've lied about myself. Um, I've done some horrible things at work. I mean, I've done some horrible things and, um, but I've I've never I've never hurt somebody. I've I've i just I haven't been a very honest person and I've been striving very hard to change that and be a better person. Um but for my brother, like I said, it was just very it was very hard because he's my only family and I wanted to be close with him. Um, the only time he ever called me, the last four conversations I had with my brother, or the last time I seen him, the last four times I saw him. Was simply because he wanted something. Um, he doesn't. He's never called me to say you wanted to just hang out or do something. All four times was to look after his dog. Um, if he's going to go away or do something and he doesn't, his dog walker or somebody can't watch his dog, he'll call me. And he'll he'll be all buddy buddy. What's up? How you doing? What are you What are you up to? Um, things like that. Um, and then it will be the sob story of oh well I'm I'm stressed out. Uh, because I might not be able to go away because I can't get better to watch Georgia and he'll wait for me to either volunteer or he'll simply just ask me, do you think you could do it for me? It'll really help out. And of course I'll do it. Um, you know, and then I'll, I'll take care of her and then he'll come home and then I won't talk to him again for, I don't know how long. I haven't seen my brother now for two years, three years, maybe. Um, I tried to reach out to him before Christmas. I tried to converse with him, tell him about my illness, how bad it is, um, that I don't have a whole lot a lot of time, depending on if I have the double lung transplant. And I'm sorry, you know, it's hard for me to talk sometimes because of my breathing. Um, he wanted no part of it. My brother lives seven minutes from me. Um, listen, I've caused some of my own issues. What I'm saying is that the moral of my story is and the rest of these podcasts are going to emphasize this is that you can change. You can love your, I've learned to love myself. I've accepted that I'm a good person that what my brother did to me years ago, what my teacher did to me years ago, wasn't symbolic of who I was. It didn't define me, but I let it define me. I'm 47. Now I've waited a long time. I'm hoping that anybody that I can reach that you take the time to own your story. That you take the time to love yourself so you can learn to love others, learn to receive love, and have healthy, genuine relationships. Because for me, I don't have that. I just have me. I don't have friends because I pushed them all away. I don't have my children because of things that my ex-wife and her family have done. And I have participated in some of that. I'm saying, love yourself. I'm saying, be there for those that need you. But for those that wanna be a part of your life, let them in. But if you haven't owned your story, it's time to own it now. You don't have to tell it to anybody, but as long as you've owned it. But I can tell you this, When you do own it and you do talk about it, it is cathartic. It is healing. I can tell you from experience that it's therapeutic to talk about it. I want to thank you for listening. I hope we can do this on a more consistent basis. Please look for my next podcast coming out. I'm going to have guests and um, I'm going to have calls. We can take questions. Um, this is our first experience for me, and I hope that you get a glimpse of where this is going to go in the future. Have a great day, everybody, and learn to love yourself.